Good day, my friends, and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider, this most special of podcasts in which I tell you stories of growing up in the Foundation Faith of God, which originated as the Process Church before schisming into two, which wherein one stayed the Process Church and one became the Foundation Faith of God. Uh, it sounds like maybe that happened in my birth month. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 38, Life Immediately After. Last episode, last episode, we talked about how I got out. Uh, and um, so today, this episode is going to be about what my life was like immediately after. But before I do that, we have to do a screech, rewind a little bit, because I want to just make sure of a few things. First off, I really hope you're enjoying this. Boy, uh, some very special numbers of listeners have been showing up, and I really appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening, for sharing, for reviewing, for all that great stuff. Keep doing it, man. It's never enough. It's never enough. As New Order would say, it's never enough until your heart stops. I'll stop there. So um, rewinding. Uh, again, continue to share. But uh, I've, as I've said, episode 38, Life Immediately After, I'm intending to do 40 episodes. And then this, this podcast, podcast, haha, this podcast is essentially over. Now, I intend to do a few prologues. I do have a few more ideas of things that I might do in the future, but I think I'll, I'll probably wait for a few months. I've got lots of other things I need to get to. Um, not that this takes a ton of time, but I, you know, I don't want to saturate or whatever. Yeah, anyway, um, moving on. I'd like to know if there are any further questions that you guys have. If you have any questions for me uh, that I can answer, I'm happy to do so. Uh, message me on Twitter, Facebook. You can email me at jared at jaredgarrett.com. Um, you could uh, do whatever you'd like to. Uh, so I've had a few people reach out to me on Facebook in the last couple of days. That's been very fun. Um, let me know if there's stuff that I haven't talked about that you'd be interested in knowing. Uh, I want to share one quick thing. Um, so back when I was um, still in the cult and I was about 16, I had been writing poetry for, for some time. And uh, it was all really bad, um, like actively bad. I was doing multiverse haiku poetry. I don't know where I got that idea because uh, it, it wasn't very good. Um, but I, I styled myself as somebody who was an aspiring poet. And I actually wound up self-publishing a little chapbook of poetry called Do You Know? It's extremely cheesy and extremely terrible. And you know it. I'm going to read one to you, maybe, maybe two real quick. Why? Because I actually was writing poetry that was message poetry as well in some cases, not just love poetry, although what I'll read to you today will be love poetry. And then I'll also read the, one of the message poems to you. Um, I was never a fanatical or even devoted or even dedicated or even believing member of the cult, but uh, it got out that I was writing poetry and I shared it with people because as a writer, I wanted validation and people liked it. They said it was good stuff. And so I wound up reading uh, one of my poems in one of the Sunday celebrations, um, which I've mentioned, which I've described before. And I will read the po that poem to you here in just a second um, and tell you what happened right after. And then we'll get into episode 38, Life Immediately After, telling some interesting stories, one of which actually uh, involves poetry. So here we go. The, this little book I put together is called uh, Do You Know? Uh, let's see here. Let's see if I've got it. I don't know where it is, how I arrange this book here. Um, lots of lots of weird poetry. Okay, it's called, Do You Know? Do, of course, it's the last poem. 
Do you know I love you? Do you know I live for you? Do you? Do you know? Do you know my heart pounds whenever I see you? Do you know I can't breathe whenever I hear you? Do you know? Do you know that I feel such a deep longing? Do you know that I know a blank, dark emptiness? Do you know? My heart feels lonely. My body is only a husk for a pounding, carrying love. A love for you, for all that you are. I don't need a reason. Do you know I love you? Do you know I live for you? Do you know? Yeah. For more of those special, special poems, let me know. Uh, I will actually share one of those with you if you message me, tweet me, DM me, wherever. Um, I'll happily share another one to you or for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad. But I totally remember writing these poems. They're great. They're not great. Um, okay, I want to read. Let's see here. Let's see. Okay, here we go. It's called, I believe it's, it's either blindness or horror. Yeah, it's horror. So, um, horror. Children, this is, by the way, a multiverse haiku. <laughs> Every verse being a haiku. Children scream in pain. This world is full of agony. Children throwing stones. There are many poor. There are cries of the hungry. Many young die starved. Too many in pain. Too many die of sickness. Too many die young. Our future is black. Most people are blind to it. Please open their eyes. Humans in this world are failing very quickly. They're dying of fear. We pray for a light. We pray for deliverance. We pray for our home. We pray for leaders, those who have inspiration, those we can follow. We pray for a strength, a strength to lift us up, a strength of purpose. We pray for a life, a life full of compassion, a life that's so strong. Now, that's pretty terrible. But I read that in a celebration, and one of the adults came up to me after and said, um, that moved me, and it moved him to tears and stuff. That's crazy talk. Anyway, if you want more of those, just message me, and I will, uh, I'll, I'll send you one. It's a good time. So, poetry was my life for a long time, uh, or part of my life. Reading, writing my own stories, eating Cool Ranch Doritos, eating a fair amount of ramen. You know, that's how my life was uh, the, the summer just before I got out. Um, and then um, I wound up in Kanab right, right as school was starting. And um, I actually arrived in Kanab on the day that school started uh, for my senior year, which was in 91. So um, we, let's see, I got there the day school started, but it was already midday, so I didn't go to school that day. And then um, I just I just didn't really feel like trying to break into that right away. And so I, I settled in for a couple of days and my father, Enoch at the time, Bruce now, dad also essentially now. Uh, he took me over to the school, got me registered. We asked for, we found out we needed the transcript from faith school. And so we, we sent off to Jonathan to get a, a, a transcript of my faith school experience, which I was like, how's this going to work? As far as I know, for four years, I haven't seen a grade. Um, you know, I, I, as far as I knew, I didn't have a transcript, but I, Jonathan put something together and it was fair, except that I had, of course, done a little bit of cheating in, in algebra, um, which is too bad. And I still feel bad for it. So, um, yeah, I got in and I started school and I, uh, I, I rode my bike to school, the bike that showed up just in time. Um, uh, but also when the winter, when it started getting colder, I um, started getting a ride. Now, early on in my time at school, I immediately went into a weight training class. That was the first class of the day. Got to know some of the football players. 
and the football coach. And I believe I talked about that a little bit. They were welcoming. They were kind. I still very think very fondly of them and even spoke to one of them down in Kanab not long ago uh, and made other friends as well. Uh, my friend Tim was already in Kanab and he, um, you know, he'd kind of started a group of friends or, got, or gotten in with a group of friends and they became my friends as well. I was very lucky that way. Um, very blessed indeed. And so, um, you know, I, I had friends, but I also started making my own friends outside of that group of friends because that's, you know, why not? I'm not going to feel constrained. Uh, and why, and I was slowly coming out of my shell, which is good. Um, one of them was in my geometry class first, uh, one of my first actual academic classes. I think it was, I, it was pretty early in the morning, um, second or third hour. I don't know. Her name was Christy, Christy Pillman. I don't know where she is. I think she married a guy named Jared, actually, but not this Jared, guys, Jared Wilkie. Anyway, we became friends. Uh, she was a sweet, very happy, smiley person who um, just was very kind. And she offered to start giving me a ride to school most days because she lived in the same general area of town as me. Kanab is a small town, but, you know, I mean, got to be convenient and easy. So she drove me in her little, I think, a hatchback. Um, I obviously don't actually hate hatchbacks despite the title of that episode some time ago, right? Uh, and we drove on down, and I don't remember if the heat worked, but it was fine. Um, Christy was great. We became good friends. Um, she found out that I wrote poetry, and she commissioned some poetry from me. Um, so while I talk, you might hear some papers, ruff papers ruffling, because I am going to find one of them that I wrote for her, and I am going to read it to you. Because, um, I mean, you only live once, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so Christy was great. She was a lot of fun. And then other friends became um, a part of my life as well. One of the highlight classes that I took was uh, keyboarding. Now, why was it a highlight? Well, um, because I learned to use a computer really well, more or less. I mean, I, I learned to type. Uh, it was the first time I'd done any significant typing. I guess we'd had a typewriter in Dixie for a little while, um, which was fine. But um, we, I was taught to type by Sister Drake or Mrs. Drake. She was Mrs. Drake. Jean Drake, who was the assistant principal, that was his wife. Uh, she taught for a long time, and uh, she was very sweet. Um, she really tolerated a lot of trash. We were very um, rambunctious, and she, she she tolerated a lot and handled it with a lot of grace, and I, I have a great tenderness for her. Um, and in keyboarding class also was where I was, I was wearing combat boots. It's what I kind of tend to wear. I still wear them a little bit. Uh, it's good ankle support. Uh, I put them up one time, and um, the uh, the guy behind me, Jeremy Button, said, um, hey, them are sweet boots. Uh, and I'm like, hey, thanks, Jeremy, <laughs> which was fine. So uh, Christy one time commissioned me to write a poem. She didn't pay me anything, but she's like, do you think you could write a poem for me? I'm like, um, sure. What kind? And so she told me, she said, maybe a poem that sort of covers the, the, the idea of people who've been friends for a long time and it's kind of turning into love, which is a very nice common romance uh, story trope, which I wasn't aware of at the time. So uh, bec because I'm a nice guy, I said, sure, I'll give it a try. And I wrote a poem called Comfort. And this is how it goes. S Smiles have always come real easy. With them, sometimes you feel quite cheesy. There was already a comfort to care. Then there's a boom. Do you dare? Up till now, light excuse me, up till now, life's been a dance. Now you feel like taking a chance. A constant and powerful overcoming feeling. Now you feel like dancing on the ceiling. 
Something that's been around so long has exploded. Now your heart feels overloaded. You've been together as friends quite often. Not just as friends now. Your eyes have softened. Guys, I, I recited the last verse of that um, because somehow it's still in my brain. <laughs> it's really on the nose, but it's not completely terrible, although it kind of is. Uh, she loved it. Uh, I'm not sure what it was for or who it was for rather other than her, but she wanted to have that. And Christy, I was happy to do it for you. I continued to write a lot of poetry throughout that time. I uh, got together with some dear friends and we read poetry together and wrote poetry together. I'm not going to read any, read any more poetry to you today. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that in the next episode. Um, one of the more highlight and interesting interactions, which I've mentioned once before, is that, um, you know, I, I went to, I started eating lunch at the school because um, we didn't have any money. And so um, it was, I think I was getting it for free. Um, and my first time in line there, uh, I was the new kid. And um, that was, I guess, a fun thing to talk to the new kid. So people are like, what's your name? And I would tell them all kinds of weird things. And finally, I settled on just calling myself Ernest Pendergast, um, which is funny to me, uh, especially since one of my favorite characters in books is in the Relic series by um, two guys who I can't remember. Uh, Douglas Preston Lincoln Child. Uh, er, his name is um, Agent Pendergast. Anyway, um, I would eat lunch and then I'd have lunchtime was still an hour back in those days, those old halcyon days. And I would eat my lunch, go into a hallway just down towards uh, near my lock where my locker was. I'd take out my notebook and I'd write and I'd be working on a book of some kind, right? Uh, telling adventure stories and stuff. That was where it was at for me. Uh, and so that was an exciting thing for me. But then this pretty, really nice, pretty shorter girl comes up to me and says, hey, what you doing? And I told her she got all fascinated and said, you're writing a book. Um, she had kind of a, a slightly husky voice. And I thought that was kind of cute. And we got, to, we, 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 you know, we found, I found we got along real well. Her name was Annie. Hi, Annie. She does tattoos. She's great. Uh, a couple of other interesting little anecdotes here to, before I get to the big one and, or before I take a break and then get to a couple of the big ones um, was that uh, before, you know, before very long at all, I was um, at Best Friends Thrift Store, which Hope, one of the original British founders of, uh, you know, Best Friends and had the foundation and stuff. She talked like this right up here, uh, very high pitched and very thick in her throat voice. That was actually a really good imita imitation of her. She ran the thrift shop and she let a lot of us kids, us younger people, us teens, me and my friends, uh, occupy the back, which looked a lot like a living room, honestly, several couches and sitting areas and a table or two. She let us occupy that and play D&D. &D. Uh, and before long, I became, um, I, I kind of took over for Hope in the evenings. She didn't want to be here that late, there that late. I made five or so bucks an hour just to just to sit there and, and uh, keep the, the shop open and sell things to people, uh, which was great. Um, it gave us a lot of freedom there. Uh, one night after closing up the shop, everybody was gone. I was walking home from there. It was like a half mile walk, if that. I'm walking up the, the street, up the main, Canab Main Street. I don't know, I think it was actually called Main, but it was the street you drag Main on. So it's my main street. Um, and I'm walking up and it's kind of dark, but the, the things are lit pretty fine. It's, it's still an older town. It's in 1991. And uh, a car pulls up behind me. And it is, in fact, the sheriff's car. And um, <laughs> Sheriff Blaisdell, man, is in the car. I don't know who he is, but I'm like, why am I being stopped by a car? He's like, well, I, I didn't know I was being stopped. I'm like, I, I nodded in their general direction and then kept walking. But then he pulled up and rolled down a window and said, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, 
I'm walking home. I already had a lot of problems with authority, so I wasn't particularly interested in dealing with this dude. And um, he's like, home? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And you live here? And I said, yes, I live here. Uh, and he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm Jared. And had no interest in giving him my name. Um, and he said, what's your last name? And so I told him, you know, Garrett and stuff. And he's like, and you live here. And I'm like, yes, I live here. Why are you stopping me? And he said, well, I need to make sure there's no vagrancy going on here. I'm like, dude, you're out of your mind. Uh, anyway, it, it, the conversation ended pretty quickly and I was left to go on my merry way. But that was a weird thing to have happen. Um, another funny story was uh, I was hanging out outside the, the, the thrift shop. Um, nothing to do. Friends weren't there. And a couple of people from keyboarding class showed up um, and said, hey, Jared, you want to go clubbing? And I'm like, what? This is Kanab. And I'd never been really clubbing I, ever. I, I had no particular interest in it. I didn't know what I would do in a club. Um, and I said, but I knew what clubbing was because some of the kids I was growing up with had snuck out and gone to clubs um, in Dallas. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, where do you go clubbing? And they're like, well, you just go out in the in, in out beyond town and you, you just go clubbing there. I'm like, well, wait a minute, what is clubbing here? And it turns out clubbing is getting some bats in the back of your car, driving out to where there are a bunch of jackrabbits and finding them and knocking them over the head. What? That's crazy. So being the new kid was a real thing. I appreciated the offer and I declined. Thank you very much. And that's where we'll pause today's episode for um, a word from the sponsor. And we're back and uh, time to get into a couple more anecdotes and then a bigger one. So the first Simple stuff is that, you know, I was the new kid in a small town. Life was simple. Um, I was uh, visible. I caused a bit of a stir because of my my grades when they finally came in. Um, I was in competition to be the number one, graduate number one with a great lady named Kelly. Um, and, um, you know, life was basically very simple, though. It was about going to school, getting my schoolwork done and never having to do any homework except for in psychology class. It was about uh, going and hanging out with my friends who were doing um, a stupid, hilarious, fun, goof-off show on the local um, the local cable channel. Uh, so just like Wayne's World. So they were imitating Wayne's World and doing these skits and doing these short clip movies and sh- sharing them on this, ridic- this, this little channel. And I went up to observe a couple of times, and then they, they let me join in, and it became a great deal of fun. We would... Um, prank call our teachers who we had a lot of affection for. We'd get prank calls from idiots in the, in, in the town and fun people in the town. We'd made all kinds of silly and did all kinds of silly things. We would uh, mosh at the end of the show uh, to like Green Day and other cool songs. And we would also grab videos off of uh, different video channels and share them on there, which is fun. So we were like a variety show, DJ, skit show, just a bunch of kids being knuckleheads. And that was a really fun time. Played a lot of D&D. Um, and within a couple of months, let's see, probably, I mean, school started in August. And so, uh, by November or October, sometime probably in October, um, I, um, had a girlfriend and how did that happen? I'll get right there. I'm almost there. Um, but I wanted to just mention one of the interesting things that happened as part of, um, as a new kid in this small town, but a new kid with ties to the weird, still at that time, uh, unsettling group that was up the street uh, about seven miles or so, was that I definitely uh, got people's attention. Um, I wasn't unattractive either. Um, I was in good shape. 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think that girls kind of looked at me and said, hey, maybe I want to spend some time. Uh, that never resulted in anything like except for, you know, I, as I've shared the dance, people would come up and ask if I would want to dance. Um, but I, th- I'd hear back, you know, this person said you were cute. This person said you were attractive. One of the funniest things, though, was my little sister, Emma. When I, when I landed in, in Kanab, I was 17. So that means that she was six. Her friends, who were five, six, and seven, apparently thought I was the bee's knees, which is adorable. But she got so, she got a huge kick out of it. And I think she got tired of it, of having her friends, oh, he, your brother is so cute. Those kids are too small for that trash, by the way. Guys, fix it. Uh, and a funny thing that ha- started happening as um, the school year wore on was um, apparently my father, who was, you know, he'd established a life there. He'd gotten some attention there, you know, because he'd, he, he'd left the cult up the road to join Kanab and become a part of the community and was an upstanding member of the community. He was well-respected and well-liked um, and also a good-looking dude. Um, and people apparently thought he had gasp eyes. They would say, huh, eyes. Uh I had people come up to me, w- girls, and look at me in the eyes and say, yep, you do. And I'd be like, I do what? And they would say, you have, you have <gasps> eyes. And I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, you have really nice eyes. And then they would run off giggling. And that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't even know what the heck drives that kind of weird dynamic. But it was certainly validating to me. I didn't mind that kind of attention one little bit, Uh, but I also was not, I didn't know how to, you know, go out and say, hey, I'd like to take you on a date yet. I did not have that kind of uh, confidence. I didn't have that kind of ability yet. However, um, there was a time at a dance, I think maybe the dance after I finally broke out of my shell and bungalowed, that uh, several of my, of my friends and I were out getting a drink of water just outside of the, the gym where the dance was happening. Uh, and these young men, who I won't name because it wasn't a great conversation, um, were listening to their girlfriends. Yeah, that's plural. Uh, you know, we were in drama and I had just joined the drama club, but they'd been in drama club for, you know, since the year or two before. Um, and they, you know, regional drama events happen all over the kind of the, the general area for smaller towns. And they were mentioning girls that they had met and made out with and stuff and were kind of their girlfriends. So every time they were in that area, they'd go and see that girl. Um, but they also had a girlfriend in Kanab. And I was like, you guys are dirty, rotten scoundrels. You know, you're jerks. You don't, you shouldn't treat girls like that. So, you know, yes, I was right. Um, about that. And I just raised my hand to heaven as if I was some sort of awesome person. Preach, amen, and all that trash. Um, and, um, they were, but they were very proud of the fact that they had multiple girlfriends and they could make out almost whenever they wanted, which is, I guess, fine ish for teenagers at the time ish. But I really, as a dad, I'm like, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. Don't treat girls that way. Boys don't treat yourself that way. You have, you should be better, but you know, I didn't have those values yet. Um, number, number one is I, I didn't have particularly a lot of morals other than I don't want to mistreat people. Uh, and number two, um, I wasn't a dad to children. So um, one of them uh, said he was dating her, his main his main girlfriend. Uh, he had two apparently in town, which is bizarre, uh, was the Claudia. It was Claudia. She was the German exchange student. Uh, and she and I had interacted a few times because we were the quote unquote new kids, even though she was just there temporarily. But 
we were in the photograph for the yearbook as uh, people who were new to the school, along with some others, a couple of kids actually from the cult, Manuel and Asta and stuff. Um, and I thought Claudia was kind of great, actually. Uh, blonde, uh, you know, not your kind of normal traditional beauty, which is great by me. I'm into like actual original traditional beauty, you know, not rail thin, not overly made up, um, actual shape and a great smile and a searing intelligence that makes me laugh. Um, I should have, should have said that first. Sorry. Um, she was, she was a lot of fun and she hung out with this friend of hers, with mine who was, they were dating, but I, I told this kid, this guy, my friend, I'm like, you know what? You're treating her bad. I'm going to steal her from you. And he's like, you could never steal her from me. I got too much game. I'm like, I have no game, but I will still easily take her from you. And he said, it's on, it's a bet. If you can get her from me in two weeks. Um, you win. And I'm like, I don't remember if we bet any kind of stakes or anything, but that was gross. But I said, done. And my friends, I don't remember how I did that. She would come and hang out. And um, I don't know if she ever played D&D with us, but she came and hung out with us. And, um, you know, I, I, I must have just struck up conversations or something. And after a time, you know, she clearly was attracted to me and I was attracted to her. I think she just ended up saying, yeah, we're done with this other dude. And we hung out. And that was that. Because I, I don't remember asking her on like a date date. But we started going on sort of dates. We'd like go get some food from the fast food restaurant and uh, sit outside and watch stars. Um, we we hung out listening to music sometimes. Um, yeah, people used to do that. Hopefully people still do that. I don't know. You guys should tell me. Do people still do that? We I taught her to meditate, which was kind of great. Um, and, um, she was very good at it and we, 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 we made out sometimes and stuff, but she was, she was great because she was low key, had no particular expectations, but she had strong morals and made sure that I could, you know, keep, keep myself in a, in, in a good state and not get into trouble. And, um, you know, she, she helped me learn how to treat a person, you know, and that was great. So I appreciate Claudia. She's great. She lived in Siegen, Germany. And it turned out uh, some, many, many years later, just a few years ago, I was in London and I met this really fun lady uh, named Daniela. Uh, she's an Amazon employee. She's wonderful. She's since moved from um, uh, London to, uh, to to New York, actually, and still works for Amazon. She, it turns out she's from Zegan too, just because I had this situation and I asked her. And, but she didn't know Claudia, which is too bad. We've been trying to track her down. She's I've been trying to track Claudia down. I'd love to talk to her again and reconnect. So, um Claudia was great. It was a fun relationship. She was um, endlessly cool. And then she went home. She was only there for the first half of the school year. She, uh, she went home after, like she went home er, in, in very early January of, the, uh, of that school year. And that was a shame. And it was hard. And we cried. We loved each other. And we said goodbye. And we wrote, we spoke on the phone a few times, which was extremely expensive at the time. Um, and my dad was not happy about that, uh, Enoch, as I called him. Um, but, you know, we, we, we faded, as these things do. You know, it was a first love for me. I don't think I was a first love for her. Maybe I was. I don't know. We treated each other well. It ended well. She was a good first girlfriend. And I am grateful to Heavenly Father to, for, for, for letting us cross paths like that. Uh, it's a very good way to start. So a couple of other interesting things about my life immediately after the cult of huge importance was drama, huge importance. Um, you know, being able to, 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 to start to express myself and find myself through drama, through, 
you know, the Gopchik character that I talked about through uh, the other acting that I did there, you know, being the, this uh, Roger Upright, the Upright a dismounted Mountie in this Klondike Calamity melodrama, uh, then being able to do drama, do cowboy theater for the summer, and then coming home off my mission and immediately being in My Fair Lady, run by my friends Javin and Tara, um, having several parts in that and being prop master for that. These were always really good mechanisms for me to, you know, feel like this was a safe place and to feel like this was a place where I could start to learn what expressing myself felt like. You know, even though I was expressing the words of others, the acting of something else, it was me finding myself through that mechanism of acting and voice work and working together to put on a production. It was amazing. It was the perfect thing for me. And I, I will never not value drama. And this, my friends, is what we call a foreshadow uh, for a later episode. Drama fundamentally changed my life and set me on on the path so many different times to happiness. So thank you, drama. And then um, last last interesting thing was that um, because of my newness to town, uh, I, you, you know, I didn't really have any kind of adherence or particular loyalty to certain cliques that were in the in, – is it cliques? I think it's cliques, uh, factions, you could say, that were in the school. Guys, does that still stuff still exist? Do the jocks still exist? Do the do the cheerleader click still exist? Uh, are there people who are still kind of the royalty of the school who run this place? Do those people does that still exist in schools? I don't know. I I, I don't want it to. I don't want to believe that it would. I I want people to just be able to be who they are and be friends with whomever they are. But that was not the case in Kanab. There was a lot of kind of. In some groups, you know, if you're friends with this group, you should not be friends with this group. But there were several people who were just kind of universally friends because they didn't really care about those things. Javin was a friend of mine, and he was one of those. You know, he had wild, crazy hair. He was an ex extremely good actor and, and, and musician. He was also on the football team, and I don't know why, but I think he liked playing football. Um, and that's kind of great. And then I wasn't on a team, but I was in weight training for the whole school year. And was good friends with those jocks. I had lunch with them sometimes. We got along really well. You know, um, Tyson Johnson, Trevor Leach, uh, Tr Tracy Glover, uh, Geiger, James Geiger, I think it was. Several of these guys. I got along really well with these guys. But I also got along really well with the alternative people who were called hair flippers because they had weird hair. Uh, and I was growing my hair too because why not, right? It was actually at a dance. Claudia put her hands around my neck and I thought she was just being affectionate as we danced. But she actually then grabbed my hair and made a ponytail, which was very short, but truly, truly also awful. Terrible. And I took it out and didn't like it. She thought it was adorable. Anyway, um, and uh, I was friends with all of them. And, you know, I feel like that is a huge part of who I am today, too. I've never really wanted to be part of a faction, part of a group that says, mm, only us. Um and that's probably a product of growing up the way I did. Um, I've never been a Democrat or Republican except for about uh, a month, a few months. Uh, I was a Democrat because that's where all the pretty girls in my in my senior class went. They went to the Democratic caucus in Kanab. And so I went too because that's where they were. Uh, I mean, come on. And then I actually became some sort of delegate. And I think I completely shirked my duty uh, on what a delegate's supposed to do. Um, you know, more regrets in life, I guess. But that's the only time I've ever been part of a party. I just have resisted those kinds of uh, tribalistic type things 
Um, and anytime any group that I'm involved in starts to give me the impression of tribalism, not like this is my tribe, I feel safe here, but as in we are us and they are not us necessarily, I, I pretty much say nope and ease my way on out of that thing. Um, and I think it was, it's interesting for me to, to, to see that that goes all the way back to my one year of public high school. And it's certainly because of the othering that the cult did to me, to us kids. You know, we are, we seem like we were, we seemed to me, it seemed to me that we were um, inconvenient, you know, people that they didn't want to deal with. Uh, we were not them. We were not doing things the way they wanted. And so we were just a handful and not something they were interested in dealing with. But also they othered the entire world. You know, it was just the cult. And that was destructive. It was unhealthy. It was bad. And it led to, and it enables a lot of megalomania, um, a lot of narcissism. And I don't like it one little bit. So that's my last little tale. So that's that. Again, you may reach out to me. Uh, through Jared at JaredGarrett.com on Twitter at Jared Garrett. Uh, use the hashtag Tales from a Cult Insider or just Cult Insider. Uh, find me on Instagram. All the things I'm there. Reach out to me. Email me. I'm happy to speak. I'm doing a, an event at the American Fork Library in a few weeks, which I'm very excited about. Um, I'm going to go to a couple of events uh, this year, just a couple, and uh, that'll be that. Thanks for tuning in. That has been episode 38, Life Immediately After with all kinds of rambling anecdotes. Hope you've enjoyed it. Next episode is called is episode 39, Bonfires, Poetry, Metallica, Girls, and Not LSD. And on that note, this is me signing off from this episode. As always, stay hungry, stay happy, look around, and find some, uh, some hands you can lift up. I'll talk to you next time.